The Souls Landscape, a Halloween crossover collab between Fortunist Games and Tete de Punk. There is no hell. Each man, when he dies, sees the landscape of his own soul. Matin Lievet from Ketura and Lord Death. In a decent, ordinary residential nursing home in upstate New York, a faded scene of a daily soap fizzled on a small TV set in the resident's room. Wrapped in his cardigan, a comfortable old thing, frayed at the cuffs and collars, denoting its wash and threadbare spots, like the worn-out wither of old age that embodied the resident who now slumped still in his recliner. The nurse made her rounds, <clears throat> and finding the resident motionless as stone and limp as a sheet, she summoned the residential physician. The resident, suddenly wheeled into the infirmary, was placed on the table. After the typical examination and resuscitation, the physician declared the ancient resident dead. His name was Joel Farber. He hailed from the Lower East Side and was a sharp-witted, argumentative youth of a contradicting nature of cold logic and discipline and fiery protest and obstinacy. Formerly, he was also handsome, the fine-looking type of dark-haired, dark-eyed fellow that black and white photographs seemed tailored for. But none of this remained and any hints or vestige upon the wizened, splotched complexion of Mr. Farber now. In the corner of the infirmary's examining emergency units, there stood, neat, trim, and compact like a shadow, a sort of specter, dark clad, almost indiscernible. But Joel Farber saw him. Being an atheist for most of his life, Joel Farber never subscribed to the concept of life after death, but like many, his mind jumped on instinct and realized that the spectral figure of shadow and morose spirits was, as he could conceive from concept, none other than death himself. When his predecessor passed the mantle of death's role, when he became the Grim Reaper, if you will, Pai Halderson, a taciturn, homely, Norwegian merchant captain had been a weary man, jaded and hard to the core at age 36 in 1826. He died, thus earning his right, and in his predecessor's view, his qualification to become deaf in the time of romantics. But Kai Halderson was the opposite of a romantic. He was a stone hard existentialist. He remained unchanged in terms of form and appearance since 1826. The ever-changing nature of fashion riled the aesthetic Halderson, and liking his somber outfit from his time, he remained obstinately unchanged, though all was black, with only a hint of charcoal and silver here and there. He disliked loud colors, and he scowled, he scowled slightly upon seeing the god-awful yellow sweater with the green diagonal stripes, his new charred wall, and the flared flannel pants. But he disliked most of all 
the puckered glower Mr. Farber rivet upon him as their gaze met, as the latter ascended from his now deceased vessel and manifested, as many would call it, the spirit. The room expanded, went dark, and then the infirmary with its machinery and blinking lights and its tacky turquoise walls lined with red and beige bordered trim became a rolling barren landscape of bare treed knoll and stony hills that sloped lazily and haphazardly. Back bent and neck arching forward, Mr. Farber sneered at Halderson, revealing jagged yellowish teeth. Oh, and who may you be? I guess you're here to take me away now, aren't you? Or is this yet another dream? His knees wobbled, still unaccustomed to standing on his own. An audacious one, realized Halderson. Any favorable introduction that this death held for his new charge instantly extinguished by the old man's acidic tone. Death would not be swayed. He could be equally maligned in his own demeanor, even more than this rancorous coot before him. Lifting his head slowly in a deliberate motion that straddled between menacingly and silently authoritative, Halderson rose his steely gaze from his downcast, hooded eyes, which rendered his piercing gray eyes all the more terrible and sharp like a scalpel, upon Mr. Farber's bleary, cataract-clouded set. And who do you think I am, Mr. Farber? Where do you think we are going? Halderson finally spoke. Mr. Farber laughed, a cold, quiet guffaw. I don't know. I guess nowhere. I guess this is the final dream I'll have before I fade into nothingness. That's what I believe in, after all. Taking several steps with deliberate, crisp measure, Alderson tilted his head slightly as he neared the ancient soul. Ah, Mr. Farber, it seems your calculations are a bit late. You have already, as you said, and mimicking the old man's tone and accent with a certain masked mockery, faded. Alderson sought to declare his usual spiel of salutation, solace, and explanation, as he did with the countless gamut of souls that he served as the psychopomp. But he questioned now, given that damnable scowl of his new charge, if he should met his guest with a barbed welcome instead. He waited for the old man's answer. Mr. Farber shrugged. Am I supposed to be surprised by this? Alive, dead, who cares? Either way, it's all meaningless. What's next? Will I get grilled like a chicken? His blurry eyes glared defiantly into Halderson's icy cold ones. Come to think of it, that sounds rather interesting, doesn't it? I'd love to see what hell is all about. I guess you're taking me there, aren't you? He pauses and continues, seemingly invigorated by his masochistic spiel. Or are you taking me to limbo or something like that? As a youth, I remember people telling me that Hell, as the Christians know it, is just a Hellenistic invention. Before the Greek influence, hell was nothing. It was just a holding place. 
for what i don't exactly know but it wasn't like how the christians interpreted it just cold black and empty the way i like things to be i suppose alderson allowed the man his rambling speculations bored yet amused as time and again with charges as onerous as mr farber proved and their initial brazenness there was a certain assurance in the old man's confidence a confidence that death eager like a beast to sink his teeth into prey sinews anticipated to prick and shatter like a bubble ah you are of the abrahamic persuasion then are you mr farber i surmised as much most of my guests are of the same school of thought they seek some semblance of consolation in this idea of a solid place or solid nothingness. Death offered the limp-kneed old man a cane, he materialized from nothingness. He continued once he satisfied the old man would not teeter over like a top-heavy pile of rags. True, what you said is true, but if hell is, as we know, a hellenistic invention. What does that make haven, sir? Mr. Farber snorted. A fool's dream. I guess every culture and religion has some concept of heaven. It's great escapism for the masses, I suppose. They never wanted to face the fact that their lives, choices, and everything might have been meaningless from the start. So they've made up this idea that we, quote, deserve things and that we will be, quote, rewarded for doing certain things. A smart thing to do 2,000 years ago, but really quite useless now in the 20th century. Don't you agree? Nodding his head, Alderson bade his time, executing the subtle pauses and waits before he spoke. As Kierkegaard said, the whole essence of nothingness, that nothingness changes because existence is a fatalistic procession itself, is the essence of philosophy. And that makes the idea of heaven and hell a theoretical philosophy, does it not? It's not a reality you can touch or stand upon, is it, Mr. Farber? Halderson, his gray eyes resting with a certain cool confidence of actually earning the man's trust, only to bat the man back once he saw a crack to fissure within the old man's assurance. Still, it makes you wonder what I am. If there's no heaven or hell, that is fine. But that does make me the devil, I wonder. Your thoughts, Mr. Father. Look carefully at me and then this place and draw your own conclusions. Alderson's quiet yet soft rounded voice trailed off as his terribly thin yet nicely shaped lips curved into something of a smirk that looks frightening on so stern a countenance. Mr. Farber laughs dryly. Maybe it doesn't matter who you are. The devil doesn't exist. He's just a fable. So of course you wouldn't be the devil. You're just a man, I suppose, a man who has taken over the quote concept of a devil. Someone who has decided to take on the role because it's a chaotic world out there, isn't it? The wizened old man paused, licking his dry, chapped lips. So what is your name? The fossil queried, raising his eyebrows slightly. You've got to have one. You were alive once too, weren't you? 
Taking a step back, Mr. Holderson feigned a sense of remorse, actually piqued by Mr. Faber's resiliently dauntless attitude. It stirred an equal mix of frustration and admiration, like a master bested by a newcomer. The devil is a fable, and so is his counterpart. I learned this the hard way, Mr. Farber. And yes, how considerate of you to ask about my name. You can call me Mr. Halderson. My first name is Kai, but it must sound funnier than my family name. So call me by my family name. It's the only thing that I have left of them, you see. I see. So I was right. The devil and his counterpart are mere fiction. So what do we have here? Just nothingness? Mr. Farber's eyes fluttered shut as he called to, he tried to recall something before continuing. So Kai, as in Caius, a Roman name. I reckon you're not from the United States as I am. Twice, Mr. Holderson blinked. He continued. You're perceptive. I must give you that, sir. But surely you don't think I'm Roman, do you? Mr. Farber shook his head. No, I'm guessing some Germanic country from the old world. I sense a Germanic undertone to your taciturn, strict nature and the soft lilt of your words. I would know, having grown up speaking a Germanic language at home that was not English, although it is probably quite different from your branch. The old man shifted his feet uncomfortable, uncomfortably, feeling exhausted already. Nevertheless, he felt a bit better than before. It seemed as if sharing knowledge had brightened his outlook. Mr. Holderson brightened up a mite, impressed with the accuracy of Mr. Faber's guess. You're not entirely off, began the deaf figure, his demeanor softening a hair's breadth. You can say I'm one of the Nort's coldest sons, you see. But now Mr. Holderson blinked again, as if remembering an urgent duty, which he did. But he waited, not sure where to proceed next with his charge. But you said that your mother tongue was from the same branch as mine, no? So what was your tongue before the English malady took over you? He asked, growing softer as he noted Mr. Faber's face likewise ameliorated. It was, and perhaps still is, the Jewish language of Eastern Europe, Yiddish, otherwise known as Yiddish Teich or Yiddish German, or sorry, Jewish German, he sighs. Thinking about the heyday of Yiddish theater and how one of his childhood friends, one Sam Abramov, had become a famous film director, making movies in Yiddish and in English, as well as in Yinglish, the fun mix of Yiddish and English spoken by so many second generation American Jews on the Lower East Side. But that's all gone now. I haven't spoken it in years. That's what living in America does to you. <laughs> Not that I've lived anywhere else, but I mean, I guess I've just chosen to quietly assimilate because it's better. It's easier, I mean. <sighs> the man took a deep breath, thinking about how long it had been since he had been young and vibrant. Whenever he thought about Yiddish, these memories of the past always came flooding back into his mind. The smell of Uncle Harvey's pastrami, Sam's favorite food, the cheesy grins Sam always used to spout, and something that, well... 
He stopped himself. No, he mouthed, stopped it. Stop it. Don't think about the past anymore. Pausing with a thoughtfulness, Mr. Halderson carefully leaned an inch forward, as though shortening his stance an inch or two, out of a gentle deference to a now seemingly wistful Mr. Father. I am sorry if you grieve the loss of your happiness you left behind in your youth. Did old age betray you then? He looked thoughtfully as he as though searching for the man's answers through the man's questions. It does to many, he pressed on. But it's better to age like a mortal than to gain that irredeemable privilege of aging without the sweet decline of old age. Turning his gaze above Mr. Farber, Death noted the time drew nearer for their embarkment. Ah, Mr. Farber, he tissed crisply. You must pardon me. I've been a deplorable host. First, I keep you guessing who I am. And still, you will for some time, I am afraid. For a name means little for the likes of what I am, not who. And then I forget to make certain you don't miss your boat. Please forgive me. I fear time has made my manners rust and corrode. Offering his arm as a second support, in conjunction with the cane the old man now hobbled on, Mr. Halderson guided Mr. Farber down a slow winding path to a quay where the ebb of a river remained still like flawless glass. Mr. Farber raised his eyebrows slightly. So this world is truly Grecian, isn't it? I wonder why. What's on the other side? Bending forward, the deaf figure holds out his hand as he boards the inside of the boat. Not Grecian, nor anything else of a libel, be it a time or place or even a people. But I confess the Greeks were right about a few things of this odd little realm. Mr. Halderson waved his fingers in a unified fold, indicating a requirement from his potential passenger. It's proper that a ferryman should receive his due. I appreciate that some from a certain very green island take care to give their people at least a pair of coins for the fare. You must have something for the fare, Mr. Farber, Mr. Halderson asked. The old man rummaged in his pocket and produced a small round object. Upon closer inspection, it was a, it was a pearl, a yellowish pearl that was rapidly deteriorating for the lack of a better term. If you looked closely, you could see a sandy rock-like texture on certain spots of the pearl. Mincingly, Mr. Farber handed the pearl over to Mr. Halderson. There you go. That's all I have with me, unfortunately. I hope it's all right. Scrutinizing the questionable payment handed into his palm, Mr. Halderson, in a deft gesture, nimbly balanced the brittle pearl between his finger and thumb, eyeing the tiny yellowing bead-like object with a puzzled yet expectant look. Such a mediocre affair, Mr. Farber. They've told me in such 
situations, a person's fare says much about their own selves. The way they live their lives, you see. I wonder, what does this pitiful, decaying pearl tell me about you? He paused, waiting for an answer. But Mr. Halderson, wishing they should not tarry on the ride, briskly pressed on. Ah, oh, well, it will make do. I will make an exception for a sad old man as you are, Mr. Farber. Get in, of course, please. Mr. Halderson quickly whisked the old hobbling man into his boat and cast off the rope from the quay post. Mr. Farber looked beyond the gray horizon as he and Mr. Halderson drifted towards the other side, slowly but surely. Can you tell me what lies on the other side? Mr. Farber mused, his expression softening as his thoughts consumed him. No, I cannot, returned the puzzling ferryman. Have you figured out who I am, Mr. Farber? Or shall I call you Yol now? I suppose we're familiar enough now, hmm? Sure. And I guess it's only fair that I call you Kai in return. It's only fair. The old man's eyes narrowed in slight suspicion. And who do I think you are? I think you're Death, like the Grim Reaper or something. And you're a reflection of my deepest insecurities, I, I believe. And I'll probably have to face a lot of my problems on the other side, correct? All of my regrets and sorrows. I've read it all, Halderson. What do you think I was doing all those years in that damned senior home? I wasn't going to waste time on those horrid soaps. I did a lot of reading, especially on death and regret, nonfiction and fiction. I guess fiction has its use after all, with the analogies and such. Mr. Holderson halts in his strokes, his river pole, and smiles, knowing, not quite softening, but neither hardening, rather like a blade being wetted on the stone sharpened for its purpose. A rarity now, he exclaimed, though his voice was now loud. It's only fair you call me Kai, and now it's only fair because you, anyone who guesses who I am, gets their fair return to them. And here's your fair, Yol. You're one of the very few who guessed who I am. You're quite well read, Yol. I thank you for sparing me yet another pandantic explanation of my identity to my passenger. The old man shrugged. Sure, I'll take this back then. I'm still offended by how you said I was a sad, pathetic man. He gave Mr. Halderson a hard smile. That's not very fair at all. Am I any sadder or any more pathetic than the vast majority of people? Only very few get to rise above being sad and pathetic. I guess I was not one of those lucky few. So tell me, what about my life is so pathetic? He said as he brought the pearl closer to his skin, examining its yellowing skin. I lived quite a fulfilled life, you know. No one is fully happy. I minimized all the things that usually cause a lot of harm to people. And as a result, I had a pretty good run. Just because I didn't get famous like my friend Sam doesn't mean my life wasn't worth anything. Perhaps you would know better than most people, Halderson. I feel that your mortal life was just as bleak and minimalistic as mine. 
Something dark glints in Mr. Farber's eyes for a brief second. Was it mischief? Tilting his head in question, as though silently saying, really, Mr. Holderson, now known as Kai, blinked three times slowly, allowing his passenger to voice his own defense of dignity and justifying the summation of his mortal life. For that insult, I am deeply sorry. Though his tone, rivaling his passenger's own capacity for mischief, indicated he was anything but. You are a wise man, Yol. You've lived with such singular satisfaction, have you not? Kai craned his head slightly over the reclined Joel, gazing at the pearl the old man held in his wizened hat. As I've said before, you can tell so much about a soul's measure of their life through their fare for their care on. And I wonder what this pearl tells us. Do I not see a woman's face on the shin of the pearl's surface? He leaned closer for a sharper look. Yes, and a scarlet one and a scarlet-haired one, too. Red hair, like my wife. You see, even death needs a wife, too. And what a sweet-looking gentle soul this face has. Ah, was it someone you knew, Yol? Questioned Kai, though he knew this was the answer from the beginning. 